The median momentum is very much around Nikki Haley, but DeSantis still has, you know, lots of money that he transferred over from his state gubernatorial race early on. So there's a little bit of recency bias, I feel like, in assessing the race, where people are presuming just because Nikki's on upward trajectory that she is, like, clearly the second-place candidate, but it's not true. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, December 20th. Today, I'm joined by Teddy Schleifer to game out the closing weeks of the Republican presidential primary. Iowa and New Hampshire are just around the corner, and Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are still duking it out for second place, while Donald Trump is still in cruise control. Haley seems like she has some momentum and a fresh influx of donor money. But at this point, is stopping Trump a lost cause? We'll talk about all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting The Gentleman. The new series from Guy Ritchie stars Emmy nominee Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ains. Eddie Horniman, played by Theo James, unexpectedly inherits his father's estate, only to discover it's part of a cannabis empire. And Britain's criminal underworld wants a piece of the operation, forcing Eddie to play the gangsters at their own game. Now available only on Netflix. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. I'm joined today by Teddy Schleifer to talk about where the smart or dumb money in the Republican primary is going these days with really only a few weeks left until Iowa and New Hampshire. The Iowa Republican caucuses are on January 15th. New Hampshire comes right after that on January 23rd. Teddy, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I can't believe the moment of reckoning has finally arrived. This past cycle has been nothing's really happened and and yet everything has happened and it's been like uh hearing you kind of say uh you know dates that are less than a month away gives me a lot of feels it's interesting to call it a reckoning when you're right like nothing much has happened but you know the movement that we're seeing late is Mm -hmm. nikki haley climbing into second place in new hampshire in fact a cbs news poll over the weekend had haley winning a lot of high marks in New Hampshire, in the horse race, it was 44% Trump, 29% Haley, mm. Ron DeSantis 11, Chris Christie at 10, uh, Vivek, and Asa Hutchinson, who is still running apparently at 1% in New Hampshire. I want to hear the, uh, the uh, I, I, would, I would stomach a like interview with Asa Hutchinson right now. <laughs> I'm just totally. very curious. Like, yeah, give, yeah, me, yeah. Give, me, like give me like three minutes for, uh, from Asa on, on how, uh, you know, the crowds in New Hampshire are ecstatic and the mainstream media just is you know blacking blacking him out and uh you know really if they covered the real the real race they'd see the ace momentum ace momentum look uh, by the way ace a very nice guy i talked to him briefly at the iowa state fair uh, after the white house christmas party a couple weeks ago in dc i went to a bar afterwards with some friends right near the white house and we're just sort of sitting around a table having drinks and Congressman Jeff Duncan walked by along with mm-hmm. Asa Hutchinson. They were just sitting wow. there in the bar walking out. I'm like, and we we're like, is he currently running for president? I'm just hanging out here at the bar. <laughs> but yeah, Teddy, Iowa, uh, you know, Nikki is 
not as close to Trump. That Trump is still running away with Iowa at 58%, according to that CBS News YouGov poll. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis is at 22. Nikki's at 13. Um, and all this comes amid the news that Jeff Rowe uh, has left, never back down. NBD, mm-hmm. uh, the latest in a string of... And yet this is a BD. It is a BD. That's what, I'm glad right. you made that pun. This is the latest in a string of management disasters, personnel changes, you know, according to the DeSantis campaign, at least, you know, they've been making the wrong strategic decisions on messaging and advertising. I mean, people, by the way, are writing about this as if outsourcing your campaign to a super PAC is new uh, or an outside yeah. group is a new thing. And you and I yeah. both know it's actually not. Um, Jeb Bush did that in, in, in 2016 and also didn't work out very well. You know, other campaigns have done this uh, in the past to varying effects. They might have used mm-hmm. some new le- legal ninjutsu this time around to move money between a variety of groups. Anyway, that's that's all arcane. Uh, but I do want to talk about, you know, look, you've got DeSantis, number two in Iowa, and you've yep. got Nikki, number two in New Hampshire. It makes for a conundrum if you're a major donor at this point. It's like, do you spread your money around to a bunch of people? And then you also have in New Hampshire, at least Chris Christie hanging around at 10%. Right. Theoretically, he disagrees with this. He's told me this himself in a puck interview I did with him a couple weeks ago, that he's taking votes from Nikki Haley. You know, maybe if he drops out of New Hampshire, Trump and Haley are in a dead heat up there. But again, if you're a major donor right now, where are you sending checks? Sure. I mean, you could argue this is the the best possible outcome for uh, Donald Trump is for Ron DeSantis to do decently in Iowa and then Nikki Haley to do decently in New Hampshire and for kind of the muddle to persist, you know, through Super Tuesday and yada, 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 Um, you know, and, and that's the problem in a nutshell right there is that it is better for the anti-Trump cause for there to be one anti-Trump candidate, and that means there to be one anti-Trump candidate that that struggles. And right now, they kind of both have have signs of life, and that is 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 the conundrum, right? I mean, uh, Nikki Haley and and DeSantis uh, have both been endorsed by governors of the you know the Republican establishment in the respective states. Mm-hmm. You know, there are donors who are continuing to be supportive of DeSantis despite. You know, they're being increased momentum among major givers for Nikki. Uh, and so they sort of both have a claim for momentum. Like people forgot the fact that Bob Vanderplatz endorsed Santos in Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kim Reynolds is still endor- like like the, the, the media momentum um, is mo- very much around Nikki Haley. But DeSantis still has, you know, lots of money that he transferred over from his you know state gubernatorial race or early on. So like there's a little bit of recency bias, I feel like, in assessing the race um, yes. where people are, are presuming that just because Nikki's on upward trajectory that she is like clearly the second place candidate that is not true. So like if you were the Trump campaign, you were scripting this, you would basically want this to happen exactly as has, has unfolded, which is there to be two candidates, both of whom have plausible arguments to be the, you know, the ascendant or the at least the dominant anti-Trump figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think what happens in Iowa is going to be very, very revealing um, because, Will there be any dropouts between Iowa and New Hampshire? There's that eight-day period. That then is South Carolina is like way later, right? I mean, I forget the exact date, um, but it's not close. Um, and sort of the, the the month of February and you know late January is going to be uh, a time for treason. So yeah, Teddy, you're you're exactly right on what happens after New Hampshire. I was texting with some South Carolina friends about this as well the other day. Like the media is investing right now a lot in like New Hampshire as a game changer. There is 
I think a full month between New Hampshire and South Carolina. February 24th is the presidential primary in South Carolina. That's obviously Nikki Haley's home state. Um, But, you know, the party has moved past her there. They love Donald Trump in South Carolina. Polls show that as well. Um, And and then there's an interesting thing also happening across the country, which is shout out to John Ralston. We matter. Uh, Nevada is having a caucus, but also a primary. The state party in Nevada, state Republican Party, uh, has decided they want to do a caucus, and they mm-hmm. will uh, award their delegates via that process. But there's God, also almost, a primary. Almost zero, almost zero media attention, no? I mean, I feel like... Yeah, <laughs> and again, like, John Ralston will new. say, duh, this always happens, right. bias, media, East Coast bias. Um, the primary in Nevada will not award delegates, but Nikki Haley has... And I, I, by the way, go back and read my article about Nikki on Puck from a few weeks ago, and the Trump campaign eagerly points this out. Nikki is filed for the primary and not the caucus. So, mm. you know, and, and she's also not super popular in Nevada. So either she goes there and like tries to make a play for the primary just to get some media momentum and then pivots back to South Carolina. But look, say Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire. New Hampshire has a lot of independents and non-MAGA Republicans. That is something of an aberration compared to the primary calendar states that follow, which are much more populist, southern, rural. Trump is going to beat the living crap out of Nikki Haley for a straight month if she comes close in New Hampshire or even wins. Um, And so it's going to be very, very difficult for her to maintain momentum out of New Hampshire. I mean, like, again, I've I've really thought that the the press this whole time is like over-investing their mm-hmm. attention in Iowa and New Hampshire, they certainly matter. They always do. They kick off the process. They winnow the field, et cetera. But you have to have the uh, metal, the money, the resources uh, to stay in for you know weeks, if not months after that, usually. And here against Donald Trump, uh, and again, all of this is still hypothetical because he's winning these states by anywhere from 15 to 40 points. Right. So, I, you know, it's, it's just... I assume, uh, unless you're the the Koch brothers network, which has said they're going to go in for Nikki, right. most people are just kind of going to give a little bit here and there and just wait and see, right? I think I think that the best case scenario at this point, um, you know, assuming that we enter the primaries next month in you know a ballpark sort of same situation as we're now, where Trump is ahead substantially and Nikki Haley and DeSantis are sort of let's say tied for second place. I think the mm-hmm. best case scenario for anti-Trump forces is for either Nikki Haley's support to broaden beyond sort of kind of the, you know, Romney Republican base that she has right now and for her to do well and then for DeSantis to drop out and for her to, you know, then be the clear anti-Trump candidate early in, in you know, let's say by the 1st of February and then you can have, you know, a one-on-one race with all the money in God's green earth behind, DeS- behind Nikki Haley. That's scenario one. Scenario two is for basically the opposite to happen, for DeSantis to do surprisingly well in Iowa, for him to kind of reclaim the initial ideological position that, you know, donors thought he would have at the beginning of this race, which is as a plausible candidate for both anti-Trump and pro-Trump Republicans, and then for Nikki Haley to drop out and for all the money in the world on God's green earth to line up behind him. And then those are the two scenarios that are attractive. The The third scenario is for neither of these people to do well enough. And for even if Trump somehow falls below expectations, whatever those may be, for DeSantis and Haley to remain in the race for forever, you know, for them both to kind of, you know, end up in a Cruz, Kasich, Rubio situation a la 2016 where no one wants to get out. Everyone kind of thinks that they're, you know, the best things in sliced bread. And then 
it's sudden, suddenly say March 1st. And even if Trump is struggling for there not really be a clear number two. So I think if you are a anti-Trump Republican donor, you're hoping for one of the two things, either for Nikki to do well and for her to somehow broaden her support or for DeSantis to do well and to kind of reclaim the initial attractive posture that he had at the beginning of this race. Both of those things seem less likely than the third outcome, which is Trump doing very well in Iowa and there not being a clear number two, in which case, like this could be curtains by February 1. Yeah, I I actually I'm willing to be wrong on this. Uh, Listeners to the pod, please call me out if this doesn't happen. I have a hunch Mm -hmm. that if Ron, (laughs) if and when DeSantis loses Iowa by 30, I I don't see him staying in the race. I, I like there's just too much drama. Um, it's clear he's his he just doesn't feel like quickly he's in it. quickly um, though that's the question like does that happen? I know that like, is the question I mean does, does he stay does that happen in Jan 25 or Feb 25 I mean like that's that's Correct. a huge uh, decision and, and like and that and that's based on things Peter that neither you or I can yeah. perfectly assess you know we got to put him on the couch and say you know how big's the ego you know uh, yes. how much is he thinking about 2028 I don't know but you could also see him dropping out endorsing Trump like I mean like like I, yeah, I, totally, I don't necessarily totally. know that that like you know him dropping out is you know, the great moment for the anti-Trump uh, cavalry, like it could easily also be a sign that the race is over. But the timing here is going to be essential. Um, and that's sort of what Republican elites and Republican donors are mm-hmm. thinking about is, you know, when when can those conclusions be reached and can those be hastened uh, by the uh, charms of the mega rich? Yeah. I mean, I just I, all I'm saying is I, I think Nikki Haley has a kind of nothing to lose work ethic that I've just noticed forever. And I don't feel like the same totally applies to Ron DeSantis. I think, in other words, I could see, yeah, you're right on the timing. Does this, would that happen right after Iowa? Would it happen a few weeks later? I could see Nikki staying in for a much longer time mm-hmm. than DeSantis. Because again, like what else does she have going on? DeSantis has to go back to being governor of Florida and possibly maintain some political capital. Uh, Nikki Haley will be giving speeches and maybe writing yet another book. Um, Teddy, I want to take a quick break and come back and talk about, speaking of Nikki Haley, an unusual new donor that she has. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting the new series, The Gentleman. Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings star in what The Playlist calls an entertaining crime comedy filled with style, panache, and laughs. The Evening Standard raves, the gentleman is peak Guy Ritchie, impossible not to love. Now available only on Netflix. Hey guys, it's Peter. When I'm not recording the pod, let's be honest, I'm probably snacking. I get hungry. But when I can steal some moments during the day, I do like to eat healthy. And eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. And this is big, no cooking required. I recommend the smoothies. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. These are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are are pancakes i love pancakes more than waffles more than french toast a couple of my favorites so far the red chili chicken tamale bowl and the smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites i love egg bites 
Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So sign up and save. Head to factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 and use code powers that be 50 to get 50% off. That's code powers that be 50 at factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 to get 50% off. Welcome back to the Powers of B, everybody. Teddy Schleifer and I are talking shop about the Republican presidential primary. Teddy, as always, has the scoop on what the donors are doing, what they're thinking, and also some interesting sort of new names out there in mm-hmm. the major donor universe. Uh, one of them you write about this week is Jan Koum, uh, mm-hmm. the founder of WhatsApp. He is a billionaire many times over because he sold WhatsApp to Facebook slash Meta. Um, if you live in LA, uh, you know his name because he's got a big old yacht, like a super yacht out there uh, in the Pacific sometimes, I guess. I don't know where he keeps it. Um, but he has a ton of like LA real estate. Like he's got yeah. mansions across Los Angeles. Like I think I had a friend who like on a whim just like went to look at like one of his houses that was for sale or looked at a house <laughs> that was for sale that Jan ended up buying. My friend is not that rich, I should mention. The, the, um, the, word, the word you're searching for is, is, is compound. Um, he, he has basically been <laughs> buying buying various, like he's a very publicity shy person, but he actually makes a lot of news in like luxury real estate. Um, he's yes. like bought a series of, of homes in Malibu that have been combined into a compound, um, which, oh, wow. uh, you know, it's like every day, you know, they're always buying, you know, if you're, if you're buying one of these homes, you're always buying it from someone else who's famous. So he's sort of like a mainstay on, on the wealth porn beat um, because luxury real estate outlets cover him but so you're saying the, the these these compounds aren't necessarily listed on, on redfin is what you're saying <laughs> yeah sure sure <laughs> um but now now he's down to more earthly pursuits like trying to elect nikki haley there you go well that's what i was going to ask so you know uh, according to your your reporting at least um he you know was born in in soviet controlled ukraine his his family is jewish uh he is a strong mm-hmm. supporter of israel and he's you know been he said positive things i think online about obama before but yeah. he's cutting checks to nikki what's up with that yeah he's put um we, we report in our story this week that he's put now 10 million dollars um into the nikki haley super PAC. um only five million of that is public but we've learned of another five million um which makes him like the second biggest donor in the presidential race um, oh, wow. which sort of snuck up on people right i mean like yeah. you know he has put all that money into nikki haley this this came out of nowhere like jan coom had never cut a political contribution before 2021 and he's been rich for since facebook bought whatsapp for 19 billion dollars in 2014 so the question that i kind of answered the story with is is what gives right like wh- where did this uh you know publicity shy rich guy like learn about presidential politics who told him about these things and one of the things that we uh uncover in the story is actually a, a mentor of his not just in presidential politics but in, in philanthropy has been uh miriam adelson that mm-hmm. um sort of the very zionist uh you know jewish philanthropy community which i think sheldon was sort of the figurehead for, for a long time and that miriam has sort of taken up the mantle of um she's taken a liking to jan coom and has introduced him to people around republican politics um and jan coom 
um, behind the scenes has quietly been calling other Republican donors um, mm. uh, to try to get them to support Nikki Haley, which is I find kind of funny, honestly. Like, like you know, it's like sort of like new kid on the block, like discovers like, hey, did you know that you can donate money to presidential politics? Like he's making his first contributions ever and suddenly he's like the expert and he has no staff helping him with this. He's basically doing this himself. Uh, and this is, you know, uh, a big focus of his. Um, you know, I'm told that he has connections within the Haley campaign. John Lerner, who mm-hmm. is sort of Haley's longtime pollster, has sort of have his, has his teeth in, in, into Jan and has been a, a very kind of key person in, in his political education. And, you know, Jan has $15 billion. So uh, there could be more where that came from. And, you know, it's a fascinating story about kind of the, the rightward tilt of Silicon Valley, which is something I've been writing about for the last 18 months um, or two years, has been, you know, the ways in which Silicon Valley leaders are getting more and more conservative. And for Jan, a lot of this is about, you know, being tough on Russia, being tough on the Palestinians. And he likes kind of Nikki's, you know, traditional hawkish foreign policy posture. Uh, mm-hmm. And lo and behold, $10 million appears in the account of the super PAC uh, that is backing Haley's campaign. So he's a big player on the cycle, and, and I, you know, you never really hear about him. Yeah, that's why we have you here at Puck. The second biggest donor, the cycle is is uh, is an interesting nugget. Also, important name you mentioned there is John Lerner, Nikki's pollster. Mm-hmm. She's been there. I mean, I met him in two thousand nine, ten. He's been there mm-hmm. the whole time with her. And by the way, she's had lots of staff turnover like the the core group of her advisors that were with her when she was governor of south carolina are not with her anymore sort of you know most of them like sort of bailed after she went full trump but lerner was there from the very beginning from that when she was a long shot like tea party primary candidate you know he he sort of came over from like club for growth world he Mm. stayed with her to become deputy u.n ambassador Uh, she really trusts him so the fact that that coom and and lerner are you know friendly is um important thing to note for sure teddy thanks for joining me buddy you bet thanks so much for listening to another episode of the powers that be as a reminder the powers that be is the official podcast of puck We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.